0: to get a little fuller, people everywhere, so we're in the Christmas season, so we'll be Chris- preaching on the Christmas story here for the next couple of weeks. And so we decided to start off in Luke 1, verse 5, so let's go there. It said, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife, was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we, we bow before you this morning, Lord. Thankful to be in your house. And God, we just pray that you'll help us to take the Scripture that you placed on our hearts this week, Lord, to just kind of uh, elaborate on a few things and talk about a few verses, Lord, that you have caused to stand out to us, and, and God, just more or less a, of an introduction, getting more a little more deep, uh, a little deeper, Lord, into this passage over the next couple of weeks, and Lord, to get a little more in detail into uh, Elizabeth and and and, and John and, and him being the forerunner of Christ, all of these things, God, that kind of paint the picture for what is coming. We just pray, Lord, that you would just guide us through your word. though Lord, I pray that you would just speak in our hearts and, and guide us to be more in step with you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I do want to announce this, though. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday in December, and we'll start our Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering next Sunday. we we'll, we got some uh, brochures, I guess you'd call them, flowers, different things we'll have out for you to grab as a prayer guide so you can pray over the missionaries that are in other countries. Lottie Moon is our international mission fund that we take up every year. We'll have a goal set for that, but we'll also have a video we'll show every Sunday through the month of December, just highlighting some of our missionaries. So this morning, though, getting a little deeper into this, I got four points. Now, they're going to be quick points, okay, because this is an introduction, and it's going to go quickly, so don't get uh, overwhelmed with the four points and going, oh, he's got four. Two takes an hour. I couldn't imagine what four is going to be. But they're going to be this. The first one is going to be the people. I'll go ahead and give them to you. The second one is going to be their position. The third one is going to be their problem. And the fourth one is going to be God's plan. So we got all, we stayed with P's there. We got people, position, problem, and a plan. How's that sound? Hey, I work hard at making those letters line up, okay? I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I work hard at trying to keep all T's or all P's or something. That's not easy. Sometimes I have to get out the thesaurus and start looking and finding synonyms for words, but we try to make it happen if we can. It makes it stick in your brain a little better. But we can look here first off, the people. Here's the people that the scripture talks about. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest. Now, the people is first off mentioned, Zacharias. He was of the division of Abijah and his wife, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we've got Zacharias here and Elizabeth. Now, we know that Zacharias was a priest. We know that Elizabeth was the daughters of the daughters of Aaron. Now, Aaron was the first priest. And so here's what you need to know is the fact that Zacharias was a priest and his wife Elizabeth was of the lineage of priests, that was almost like a double honor in this time. For him to be a priest and to marry the daughter of the, in a lineage of priests, that was like a double blessing there, a double honor. People would have looked at that and just kind of held them in very high regards. And so we look here, but here's what I want you to note today, okay? I'm big when I study Scripture. I'm always looking, okay, God, I want the life application in this Scripture because we can get in a lot of deep theological truths, but if we can't take... If we can't take what we read and what we learn and apply it to everyday life, it really doesn't do us a whole lot of good. We're looking in scripture. We want to be able to find out how can I take this, apply it to my life, and it strengthen me and help me to walk better with the Lord. That's what we're looking for. At least that's what I'm looking for. And I, uh, as, as Austin and I were sharing the other day, and we were talking about Scripture and, and, and details, and I said, "That's one of the things that I've always loved about Charles Stanley's preaching. And he's just one of many, okay? Uh, Adrian Rogers, same way. I could go down the list of all the great preachers that preach this way. I said, but Charles Stanley, in all the books that he's written, and all, all the education that he has, when you listen to him preach, he preaches it in the simplest terms. And he will take that scripture and he'll say, here's what you can take for that and apply it to your life so that you can live a better life for Christ. That's what we're looking for. And so as I studied this scripture out this week, it's funny that as I found myself in this place reading this, I was already kind of asking the questions already in my life and in my own mind. God, why does it seem so, so hard sometimes to live for you? God, why is it so hard to be faithful sometimes? And I, and I wasn't really just thinking about my own life. I was thinking about somebody else that I know that, uh, that Austin was sharing with me the other day. Austin and Megan have friends that they knew from college that are missionaries in Alaska. And so as I was thinking about them and thinking what they were going through, I was applying their life story into this scripture as well. And it just kind of started, started unraveling here. And what I'm going to preach on this morning, you don't find a whole lot of information about it in commentaries, meaning that most of the time, most commentaries jump right into the story and they go right to John. And John is a very key person in this passage. He's going to be the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist. And so they kind of go right into that. And of course, they're, they're uh, leading into Jesus. And they should because that's what it's all about. And so, But I have a tendency to to look a little more at the people sometimes and go, well, what were they feeling? What what was it like to live their lives? How how was their lives being played out? And so I begin to look a little more at Zacharias and Elizabeth in ways that I'd never looked at before. And I want you to know that these are just two ordinary people, okay? Now, yes, he is a priest, and yes, uh, Elizabeth was his wife. Yes, they were going to be chosen by God to be the parents of John the Baptist. But still... This morning, what I want you to take away from this is that they're not superhuman beings, okay? They're people just like you and I. They just happen to grow up in a different time period in a different part of the world, okay? That's the difference. So we have a tendency sometimes to read Scripture and look at Paul or John or or, or Zacharias or whoever and say, yeah, but they were this. They were biblical characters. They were just, listen, they're just people that was walking with God and God chose them to do something great and mighty for Him. And listen, I, easily this morning, we could take ourselves... No, God has not called us to be the parents of the forerunner of Christ today. But easily, we could take ourselves and put us in this place this morning and say, what is God? If God looked down upon us, in just a moment, we're going to look here at their position about how they were walking with God. We could easily take ourselves this morning, put ourselves in that position and say, if God looked at us, what would He see? Just as He looked at... Zacharias and Elizabeth here, found them worthy of a particular calling in their life. When God looks at us, what does He see? And so this morning, I don't want you to put them up on a pedestal. Look, they're just people that God used, and God could use you and I today the same way. So we could easily just say that, well, this could be Vance and Connie right here, or this could be David and Kim. It could be anybody. But we look here at the people. Now let's look at their position, it says in verse 6, it says, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord. Blameless. Now we're already into point two. Look at that. We're moving fast, aren't we? Y'all are encouraged, aren't you? Y'all are right going, well, amen. He's already into point two. I told you it's going to be quick. Got to hang on. So we got the people, now their position. And their position was that the Bible says that we're righteous before God. Now, you got to understand, in this time, yes, we did have, uh, and we know that as we read through Scripture in the New Testament there, and we see the, where Jesus encountered uh, several of the priests and those of the Pharisees. And what did he call them? He called them whitewashed tombs, didn't he? He says, you guys look good on the outside, but you're empty on the inside. Zechariah and Elizabeth weren't one of those people, okay? They were the people that was, they were keeping the law, but they really had a love for God in their hearts. They really, really did. So we see that when we read over there when Jesus came, we know that there was a lot of the priests of those times that were not living for God like they were supposed to. They were living for self and for their own self-promotion. They had their own goals and their own desires, but everybody didn't fit that bill, okay? And so... We have Elizabeth here, and we have Zechariah, and they were two people that really did love the Lord, and they were trying their hardest to live their life for them, for God, I mean. And it says, and they were both, they were righteous, righteous before God. They were walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, and the Bible says they were blameless. Now, again, if you were with us a couple of Wednesday nights ago, we read something out of 1 John, and I'm going to go over there and read it to you again in case you've forgotten or you weren't here. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, as John is writing this, he, he says this to the church. You've got to understand he's writing to Christians, but he says in verse 6, He who says he abides in him, him being Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And so if you remember... If you were here a few Wednesday nights ago, we, remember we talked about how it's not about the talk, it's about the walk. It's easy to talk Christian talk. It's easy to show up at church. It's easy to, to have a Bible. It's easy to say the church lingo. It's easy to do all those things. That's really not that hard. But where it really gets hard is when you leave this building here in just a little bit and you go back into your homes or you go back into your own your jobs or you go back into the stores, your community, wherever, and then the walk... When I say the walk, I mean the everyday life that you live for Jesus. It lines up with what you say you believe. That's when it really gets where, as the old saying goes, where the rubber meets the road. And that's why John said here, he who says he abides in him. If you say you're a Christian, then he says that your walk ought to be the same walk that Jesus walked. So anyway, if we're going to be Christians today then we've got to make sure that our walk lines up with our talk. And as we look here, that's exactly what was going on in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. When it says here that they were walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord blameless, which means they were living their lives out before God. The way they should have been living their lives they they had their goal was to please God with their lives. That should be our goal today. They were righteous before God and, and I think that's important today to look where it says that they were righteous before God because that's where the righteousness really is important, isn't it? We could easily be righteous in, in, in front of other people. I, in other words, I could be righteous in your eyes. I could walk in here every Sunday, man, and I could be a certain way, and I could act, I could say a lot of things, and you go, Ooh, that Brother Vance, now he's got it going on. But then I could leave this building and go and do whatever I wanted to. Y'all wouldn't know it. I could go back to my house, and I could act all kind of ways that I wanted to, do things that I ought not to do, and that would be at my house. But then when I come to this house, then I could act the way that impresses you. And I say that because I think that happens a lot in church. And it's easy for it to happen. It's easy to be one thing in front of the people that you want to impress this way, and then it's easy to be another way somewhere else. It's real easy to be that. We fall into that trap if we're not careful. But when the Scripture says that they were righteous before God, it doesn't mean that they impressed the people. It means that before God, in His eyes, they were walking the walk like they were supposed to. And at the end of the day, it really don't matter what David or Kim or Ron or or whoever in here. It don't matter what they think of me. It matters what God thinks of me. And that's something you need to note today. It don't matter what I think of you. It doesn't matter what the person sitting next to you thinks of you. What matters is what does God think of you. What does he see when he looks at you? And Scripture says here that they were keeping the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, and the Bible says that they were blameless. Were they perfect? No. Were they sinless? No. But they were doing everything that they could to live for God. You and I today need to make sure that we're living for the Lord in a way that pleases Him. Now, I'm already moving into point three. I'm telling you, this is fast. But but here's point three and point two kind of go hand in hand. And I've I'm, I'm had a hard time keeping them separated up to this point, but now we're about to throw them together. But now look at their problem. The Bible says in verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. When the Bible says that they were well advanced in years, if you have a, a King James Version this morning, I think it says they were uh, stricken. Well, stricken in years or something. Like that. That changes a little bit of wording, but it's the same deal. But when it says that they were well advanced in years, it really means that they were beyond the age to have children. That's what it means. Okay, because they, they, If you were to go back and study uh, to the Jews, they were kind of like these age barriers there. And once you reach a certain age, well, you were just beyond that. But now <clears throat> you say, well, is that important? It is very important. Because for these two not to be able to have children in the Jewish culture people would have looked down upon them almost. And they would have looked at, they would have looked at Elizabeth like, well, what did you do wrong? What, what sin have you sinned against God? Because to not be able to have children was considered like a curse, not a blessing. The more children you had, the more blessed you were. And so where point two and point three go together is because it says that they walked righteously before God. They kept the commandments and the ordinances, but then it tells us right after that, but they couldn't have any children. Now, church, here's what I'm trying to say this morning. It is hard, is it not, to serve the Lord and to walk with Him faithfully. Now, let's just lay down the super spiritual side just for one second, okay? Because some of y'all are getting ready to go, no, 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 but now just... For one moment, lay down the super spiritual, lay down the church membership, and just be real for about two seconds. Is it not hard to live for Lord, for the Lord when the things that you want most in life just won't seem to play out for you? Now, I'm not talking about wanting a brand new truck or a new boat. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you want to see somebody that's sick in your family healed. When, when, you, when you want to see this person be blessed in your family. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about super spiritual. I mean, not... Um, Uh, superficial things like trucks, cars, things like that, houses. I'm talking about life situations. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about a job. I'm talking about all these things. Sometimes when you're praying and you want to see these things show up in your life or God to bless in these ways, and it just seems like he's just not blessing. It is very difficult to live for the Lord. Now, should it be? No, but it is because that fleshly side of us sometimes says, God, I just have a hard time praying. I don't even see you anywhere around me. God, I don't hear you speaking. I don't see you showing up. God, you want me to serve you, but I just don't see you in this situation. And if we had all be honest with ourselves, we've all been there at some point in our lives. And somebody may be there today where life has not played out the way you wanted it to play out. Sometimes that happens. Life happens. That ought to be a t-shirt, hadn't it? Life happens. I think I've seen that somewhere. Because it does the Bible tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust, meaning that life happens, good or bad, to those who are trying to serve the Lord and to those that aren't. It just happens. It's called life. Because sin entered into man in the garden, life has a lot of heart, heartaches that go along with it because we are sinful people. But here's what I want you to note: These two people, even though they didn't have a child and even though things had not worked out the way they wanted to work out, they still serve the Lord. That's the place, even though we could all gripe and grumble, and we probably all have, what I'm trying to show you here is that they had a problem in their life. They wanted children. And they couldn't have children. And I'm sure that there were probably a lot of days that Elizabeth and Zacharias may have looked around and may have seen people who weren't serving the Lord who were a part of that group of Israel that were sinful and had turned their backs on God, that were serving false idols and doing all the things that they knew they shouldn't have been doing, had forgot about the God that brought them out of bondage and had them where they was at. And, it did, and they looked and they saw little children running everywhere in that family. And Zechariah probably thought, Lord, I, I'm a priest. My wife is of a priestly lineage. God, we've devoted our whole lives to you. And I can't have a son. I can't have a daughter. Why? God, why does it seem that they are getting everything and we have nothing? Have we not been there before? We have. If you'll be serious with yourself this morning, you've been there. And that's kind of... Well, I won't get ahead of myself. Let's just stay on track and then we'll share what I was going to share in just a minute. But it's easy. But here's what you need to understand. In the midst of the problem... And we'll get to point four in a moment. God had a plan. God had a plan. And so sometimes in the midst of our problems, sometimes it's easy to lose focus of what the focus should be, and that is that our attention should never come off of God. Never. Listen, but here's what happens. When the problems creep in, the enemy will take those problems, and he'll use them against you. That's what he'll do. Well, if God really loved you, he wouldn't do this. If God really loved you, He wouldn't allow this to happen. Where's your God at now? He's nowhere around you. And don't think these thoughts won't enter your head because they will. They will enter your head. And you'll think all these things. You'll dwell on these things. You'll lose sleep over them. We all have problems, but church, listen, even in the midst of our problems, we should never, ever stop serving the Lord, ever. And that's what I think Elizabeth and Zechariah Zacharias, teach us here that even when things weren't... And I think that's why Scripture puts this in here. They had done all these things faithfully, even though life did not go the way they wanted it to go. Life is not always going to go the way we want it to go. But can I tell you this, and I'll say this before I move on. Even when life is not what we want it to be, He is still worthy of our praise. He is still worthy of our praise. Even if God stopped blessing us right now... He has blessed me enough up to this point that I've got no gripes or no grumbles, okay? And most of the problems that I've dealt with in my life was self-inflicted. Amen? Anybody else agree with me? Self-inflicted, okay? So God is faithful. Matter of fact, I, and I, I won't call the people's name, the couple I mentioned a while ago that were missionaries in Alaska, uh, they, he talked to Austin the other day on the phone, and he's just had health problems, his wife has health problems. And we're talking about they're like Austin and Megan's age. They're not, they're not old. They're, they're not been married very long. Uh, Live in North Georgia. Went to Alaska as missionaries. And there's just been health problems after health problems after health problems. And he's serving on staff up there. And he shared this with Austin. He said his pastor came to him. And he, and he looked at him. And I'm, I'm going to say this this morning because I want to make a point. But the pastor looked at him, and he called him by name. He said, is there any sin in your life that you need to get cleared up? Is that what's going on? Is, that why, is That's why all this is happening in your life. You're, you're just not living the life of God you ought to be living. And he looked at him. He said, uh, no, sir. He said, but I appreciate you asking me that. He said, because I've done the same thing. I've asked myself those same questions. I pray, God, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. He said, he told Austin, he said, Austin, that didn't bother me the first time. He said, but the fourth and fifth time that my pastor came and asked me that question and said, is there anything in your life you need to confess? He said, it started bothering me. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I know this friend of Austin and Megan's a little bit and I know him enough and like him enough. I'd like to slap that pastor upside the head to be honest with you. Now, does that, is that okay if me say that this morning? Because he's the age of my children and he's in another state trying to serve the Lord, and he's struggling. Listen, church, problems don't mean sin sometimes, okay? Because we fight a very real enemy that will take those things, especially when you're on a mission field trying to serve him, and he will take those things and he will battle you with those things. And I fell out looking at that pastor and saying, instead of asking him that question, you need to be encouraging him and praying with him and trying to help him through this difficult time, not make him feel worse. Anyway, that's, that's just Vance vent for a second, Okay. Because I see that as that could be my, my child up there. That's, that's the same age as my children. But the thing is, sometimes we have problems in our lives. And like in here with Zacharias and Elizabeth, we see them having problems, not being able to have children, but it didn't mean that they weren't serving the Lord. Didn't mean that at all. We can look over in the book of Job and see that Job went through a lot and it had nothing to do with sin. It had everything to do with God said, I tell you what, I'll allow you to do this to him, Satan, but you can't take his life. So it was allowed. But God still knew what was going on. Job was a very righteous man. Now, his three friends sounds like that pastor up there that said, Hey, why don't you go ahead and curse God and die? Because obviously you got sin in your life that you need to get confessed. But we can live a godly life sometimes and still battle things, okay? Doesn't mean that we're living in sin. Now, sometimes it can. Sometimes it can. But in this situation, it's not that. Sometimes we just go through difficult times in our lives has nothing to do with anything that we've done wrong it just means that God has allowed certain things in our lives and I'm always encouraged by this I'm encouraged that anything that comes into my life it had to go through God's hands first in other words it didn't catch God by surprise even as we referenced Job while ago God allowed those things because what does Satan say to God, God said, have you considered my servant Job? What did you, what does Satan say? I can't touch him. He belongs to you. In other words, Satan's was limited in his authority and in his power. God said, I will allow you to do certain things to him, but you can't do this to him. So today, understand something. We do battle a very real enemy but also be encouraged today to know and this is i think what we forget sometimes as christians sometimes we put like god and satan as rivalries and they're battling Uh, well yes and no okay first off he's not equal with my god my god created him okay so the thing is he can only do what god allows him to do they're not equal in authority and power god has authority and power over all things and one day he will Prove that. Scripture tells us that He will. Now, let's look at point number four, God's plan. And then we'll be done. We see all, we see the people, we see the position, we saw the problem. But now I want you to look here at the plan. Now let's go back into verse 8. It says, So it was that while he was serving as priest, talking about Zacharias, before God in order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, His lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, I always get cracked up at this. I find humor in places that I ought not find humor. I know I do. I do this in everyday life. I laugh at things when I ought not to laugh. It makes a very awkward moment. But when I look here, every time you see an angel show up in somebody's life, what they always say? Fear not. You know why? It would scare you almost to death. That's funny to me. If I'm in there doing my job and all of a sudden I turn and there stands a, an, an angelic being, a messenger of God, that would horrify me. It would. But it says, he tells him to fear not. But this is what he says. Verse 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Now we may preach on that tonight. I don't know. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will give for he will be great in the sight of the lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink he will also be filled with the holy spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of israel to the lord their god he will also go before him in spirit excuse me, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and be disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And he says, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, so I read you a lot of verses to say this, that all those years had transpired and Elizabeth and Zacharias had basically given up on having a child. And in this day and time to have a son to carry on the name was a very big deal in this culture. So we see that not having children and the fact that they were as old as they were, they had about given up, but obviously they had been praying because it says, the angel says, We heard your your prayers have been heard. But here's what I want you to get all that time it seemed like a problem, but God had a plan the entire time. They were not just going to have any son, they were going to have a son who was going to be the forerunner of Christ. John the Baptist was going to be their son. He was going to be the one who was going to preach and and prepare the way for Christ. He was going to be the one who would stand in the Jordan and baptize Jesus. He was going to be that son. Not just any son, but that son. The one that was prophesied about over in the book of Isaiah. So here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes our lives can look so bleak, Sometimes it can look like, God, you have forgotten us. God, do you not know where I'm at? Do you not know what I'm going through? And the whole time, God can be orchestrating a plan the entire time. Just because God doesn't give us all the details of life doesn't mean that God's not doing something in your life. We just have to stay faithful. We have to stay trusting. And we have to keep moving forward. I'll tell you a quick story, and I just thought about it. I've been saving this one for a long, long time. I've never shared it. And I'll share it this morning. But there was a, uh, uh, it's been, gosh, I have to think how many years ago it's been now. Oh, it's been 10, 12, 13 years, easy. But uh, my son Austin, and I'm not saying my, my son's anything more than my two daughters because all of my children are awesome, okay? Uh, in my book, they are anyway. I think they're awesome. And uh, yes, even you, Summer, I think you're awesome too. I pick on her because she tells me all the time, you know I'm your favorite. That's what she tells me all the time. You know I'm your favorite. She'll even leave little notes on my desk sometimes in my office. Love summer, your favorite child. That's what she'll write. But being funny. But a long, long time ago, my son Austin was pitching a baseball game down in Brunswick. It was like the second game he had ever pitched in his life. He was like 11 years old, I think. And... I went down there, Connie and them wasn't able to go that day. Just me and Austin was down there. We were playing a team, and I think it might have been a tournament or just, just a one game, I don't even remember. But I remember pulling up my chair there at the fence, and I remember of not knowing who was pitching that day. And then I look and I see Austin warming up on the mound, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, if, if you've got a child that's ever played sports, the stress level automatically goes even higher when you know that your child is the one playing quarterback or pitching or running the ball, whatever. And so I'm looking and go, he's only pitched one game in his whole life. My gosh, he's only 11. And so my nerves, you know, like, oh, it really went up. In the first inning, I think he hit two batters. Yeah, he hit two batters. He walked about two more. It was horrible. I'm sitting there going, dear God, just take him out. Just take him out. I mean, this is what I'm thinking. Why? Not that he was doing a horrible job, which that sounds pretty horrible, but I I hated that he was in that position having to go through that stress. Well, they managed to get out of the inning. He gave up a couple of hits, or not hits, but they were able to hit the ball. Defense done their job. He comes out. I think we gave up like one run maybe. I I mean, to get out of the inning with one run was pretty pretty extraordinary. And I thought, they're not going to put him back out there. That was a horrible first inning. They put him back out there in the second inning and the third inning and the fourth and the fifth. He pitched the entire game. There was six innings, he pitched the whole game. But I remember that first inning, as horrible as it was, he ended up striking out three or four batters. And we ended up winning that game. And I remember watching him when the last out was over and he walked off the mound. I saw him stop and I saw the umpire say something to him. And he turned and walked back to the mound, and I couldn't hear what was being said, because I was sitting down the uh, left field line, so I couldn't, I couldn't hear what was being said. But I saw the umpire standing there talking to him, and I thought, well, did he do something wrong? But then I saw the umpire flip the ball to him, and he, Austin, come jogging off the field, and I said, Austin, come here. And he came over to the fence, and uh, now my son, for y'all don't know who my son, he's what, 25 now, right? is I right, 25? 26, man! I don't. If he's getting older, i got to be getting older. That's the reason I don't want to make him any older than he is. He's 26, so this has been quite a while ago. But I said, son, come here. He comes to the fence. I said, what did he say to you? He said, he told me. He said that I showed a lot of character today to hit that many batters in the first inning and to walk that many batters and still pitch the rest of the game and win the ball game. He said, I deserve the game ball. And I said, wow, you know. And he pitched the ball over the fence to me, and I remember catching it. And I was so proud of him. And I remember, I, I don't know if y'all ever heard these moments, but I was about to lose it. So I had the ball and I walked back to the car and I opened the door and I sat down and, and I just sit there and I said, wow. You know, I thought, I can't wait to get home and tell Connie how much character he showed today to hang in there and not give up and to do what he did. That was extraordinary to me for an 11-year-old. And then as I sat there holding that ball and looking at it, And then at that moment, I've never forgotten this, as many years ago as it was, I sit there and I look down at that ball and I was so proud. And and honestly, I remember like it was yesterday. I felt like God spoke into my life and said, Vance, that is nothing more than a baseball. And if you think that makes you happy, oh, I got a lot more in store for that young man than baseball. Just hang tight. I'm going to do a lot more through him than just baseball. And I started crying. I mean, I just sit in that seat and tears just poured, poured, and I, because I was overwhelmed at God. What are you going to do? And you know what? To see my child grow up and all my children, not just one, but to see all my children grow up and be believers in Jesus Christ, and not only that, to see my son and to hear my son preach when he gets the opportunity, and, and, and to know that there's a church right now that's looking at him possibly being their youth pastor in our association, Uh, They're in conversation to look at that and go, I am so proud, not of just my children, but so proud that God is using my children, that my children are wanting to be used, but that God has found them worthy to be used. That is better than any baseball game I've ever watched in my life. And I love baseball. But you know what? When it's all said and done, that ball ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. We ain't going to talk about baseball in heaven. We're going to talk about what we've done with Jesus and how we served Him and how we were faithful to Him. And to see my children serve Him overwhelms this dad's heart. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be Zacharias, to go all that time without a son and then God bless you with one and then him be the forerunner for Christ. Man, do you think it made all those years of waiting worthwhile? Oh, yeah. I'm sure it did to see what God was going to use His son to do. So, church, this is what I'm going to close with this morning. The biggest thing, or I should say, well, maybe the biggest thing is the right words, that we could do this morning for God is to be faithful to God. Even when life is not what we would have it to be, be faithful to God. When life is good, be faithful. When life is bad, be faithful. Serve God with all of your heart no matter where it's at. Be faithful to Him. Life is going to have ups and it's going to have downs. There's going to be people that's going to look at you cross-eyed because you're doing it this way or that way. Stay faithful to God. As the Scriptures said while ago, they were righteous in His eyes. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. It don't matter what they think. It matters what He thinks. But you and I need to be faithful to God today to serve Him. And listen, if you're in a place right now where you're going, bro Vance, I hear you, but my life is upside down right now. Your problem might be God's plan. God might be working a plan out of the problem you're in right now. So see, God sometimes has to steer us down certain paths to get us to places He wants us to be. Y'all hear me say this all the time. I've walked down roads in my life that I don't ever want to walk again but I don't trade the blessings of those roads either, okay? God did things out of those roads or out of those troubles and those trials that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world, the blessing side of it. I don't want the trials again, but the blessings are good. God may be taking your problem right now and working it around in order to bless you or to do something great, mighty in your life. We just have to stay faithful. Just as Zachariah and Elizabeth were faithful, you and I have to stay faithful today. So as our ladies come to lead us, Lead us in a, a song of invitation as we enter into what I said earlier, the Christmas season, and we're coming out of the Thanksgiving season. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. Be thankful for what He's going to do in your life because He's not done with you. If you're here this morning, I believe He's still got something for you to do. If you were here this morning to hear this message, be faithful to God. Serve Him with all of your heart. Take your troubles, as somebody said to me this morning. I don't remember if it was Brother Andy, Brother David, or who it was. Uh, it might have been Brother Wayne. I don't even remember. It said, take my troubles and lay them down at Jesus' feet and leave them there. And that's what we need to do. Whatever your struggle is this morning, give it to Him. Give it to Him and say, God, help me to understand what you're doing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we are so thankful, Lord, for who You are and for all Your blessings. And God, I I have no doubt that probably somebody in this room this morning is struggling with something. Uh, Lord, for this many people, uh, somebody's going through a heartache or a hard time or, or, or hard or difficult circumstances. And God, when we get in those situations, Lord, it's hard to put one foot in front of the other. Lord, it's hard to show up for church. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read our Bibles. We don't want to worship. God, we don't want to do any of those things because we're so burdened by our circumstances. Our, our, our troubles, they get us down. God, I pray this morning that whoever it may be, Lord, would take their struggles this morning and they would place them at your feet. And they would ask you to help them, to leave them there, to get up and to move forward serving you and praising you through the most difficult times. God, help us to be faithful to you today. And God, as we enter into this Christmas season, God, I pray that we wouldn't forget what it's all about. God, that it's about Jesus and and, Lord, his birth and, 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 God, how we should be so thankful for that gift. Lord, because if he hadn't have been born to grow up and die on that cross, God, I wouldn't have salvation today. None of us would. So, God, help us to praise you today, God, to worship you and to live for you in a way that pleases you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please stand this morning. Our invitation today is speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus.